Just a um, slight change to what's in the news sheet. Uh, I'm going to read two readings uh, this morning, Psalm 46, uh, and the second is from 1 Peter chapter 5. Psalm 46, beginning at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And from 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning once again, folks, and um, let me pray. May the words of my lips and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God, our Creator and Redeemer. Amen. Well, how do we as Christians cope with something which sort of rocks our world as Friday's manifestation of evil has done? It has come as a huge shock. And feelings, emotions, anxieties will be high. How can we make sense of this are the questions we ask. Terror brings fear also. It even brings guilt feelings. We're relieved in a funny kind of way that it's happened to them and not us. I know they're wrong feelings, but that's what sometimes happens, or that I'm glad they did, but not us, or not them. And we feel guilty about those thoughts, and so we should. Some will suffer anxiety. Will it happen again? Am I safe? Are my kids safe? Can I send them here? Can I send them there? There's despair. A feeling that the world is sort of out of control because of what's happened here. A writer in the Herald said yesterday, everything feels sick and sad and pointless. New Zealand, he said, is at half-mast, half ashamed of itself and half mad with grief and rage. 
there's deep sadness and deep sorrow, mostly because we realize that such evil exists and such hate exists, and we realize that again. And as Christians, we'll question our Christian faith. If you don't today, you certainly will over the next few months. There will be doubts about God's sovereignty, for example, about God's love. There'll be questions of why. What good can possibly come from something like this? God says we will bring everything to good, but what possible good can come from this, we'll ask. So how do we cope? And how do we come through this huge tragedy? Well, let me draw your attention to 1 Peter chapter 5, just for a while. Uh, from, verses eight, uh, from verse 8 onwards and following, uh, just, a, uh, just a reminder of what Peter was doing. Peter was writing to Christians who were suffering, who were really suffering. It's a letter of suffering. And although their trials were different from what we're experiencing, how they were feeling as Christians was no different. And so the principle which, which, which Peter uh, gives them in how to come through are much the same for us. Peter tells them in verse 9, Resist the devil and stand firm in your faith. And then he gives this promise. And the God of grace, who called you after you have, who called you after you have suffered for a while, he will himself restore you. Can you see that principle? It's very important and it will be over the coming days. When we get rocked by something horrific which happens, such as we saw on Friday, what we must do as Christians is resist the devil, stand firm in your faith, and God will restore you. And then there's sort of three promises to help us to trust God in these difficult times. And we'll go through them very quickly. Firstly, God will restore you. Verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, yes, some tragedies which happen in life may affect people all their lives but this life is short it's a blip in eternity and one day it will be over completely and you will be restored fully but in your present trials if you resist the devil stand firm in your faith in time God will bring you through and he will bring you through a different more rounded sort of so, so to speak a more rounded Christian Peter uses sort of three words to describe what God will do first restore the God of all grace who called you after a little while will restore you the word restore could be translated perfect 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 you make you more whole because of what you've been through God will supply whatever grace is needed to bring you through notice he is the God of all grace whatever degree of grace you need he will supply no matter how hard or how difficult it gets, he will supply what's needed. And in time, he will restore you. He will restore in you whatever you lost in your trial. He will repair what's been damaged. He will replace it. He will perfect you. He'll make you more complete in Christ. That's what it means. Because of what's happened emotionally and spiritually, you may feel damaged and emotionally weak and spiritually drained, as if something has been taken from you, has been, has been drained away from you. Well, God will restore it, and he will restore it better. You will be more whole, more rounded as a Christian, more mature in a sense. The second word he uses is God will make you strong. 
What happened may be hard to understand. We can't make sense of it. So you'll feel slightly spiritually weak. You'll feel all over the place. But God will make you stronger. Your faith may be brittle at the moment because of what's happened, but he will make you stronger. And this, in turn, enables you to strengthen others. That's what the Christian faith is about. And Peter himself was promised this by Jesus, wasn't he? When Peter was being tempted by Satan, do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back to strengthen your brothers. That's the principle. There will be some in this room this morning who know people, children maybe, who belong to that mosque. And those people will suffer greatly. They will grieve greatly. Well, God will strengthen you so that you can comfort them and so that you can strengthen them. That's the meaning of what Peter's saying. The third word is firm and steadfast. If we are serious, caring Christians, it sounds odd that, but if we are caring Christians, we will be anxious about what happened on Friday. It cannot not touch us if we are thinking and caring Christians. And it will ask questions of our faith. We will ask questions of God, which is a good thing. Because it makes us go to the very foundations of our faith. What do I believe? Why do I believe this? In the face of all this, why do I believe? I say that I'm a Christian, I go to work, I go to church every week. But what do I actually believe about God and about Jesus Christ? And why do I believe it? And does this make sense in all of this? And this searching in our trials is unsettling. It's spiritually healthy, but it's unsettling. But if you've really struggled and worked through these difficult issues sincerely and biblically, you may not have all the answers, but when you come through, God will make your foundations surer. He will make them firmer, more steadfast, more solid. You know, Christians who've been through the mill, who've been through tragedy after tragedy, somehow have a deeper faith. They are more solid. And that's what God does if we resist the devil and hang on in faith. Just hang on. Your faith, like mine, may be all over the place now. All over the place. You may be asking all sorts of questions, unsettling questions. But if you search them honestly and biblically, in time you will come through with deeper faith. That's what God promises, and that's what we see when we speak to Christians around us who have been through these kind of difficulties. In time, you'll come through firmer and more steadfast. That's the first thing. Secondly, God promises that Christians going through these difficult things will know the true grace of God within them. Uh, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you. Look at verse 12. I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in that. That's what he says. Again, stand fast. But what is this true grace of God? 
Well, it's all that Peter has been saying right through this letter about what we believe as Christians. Chapter 1, that through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, people can be born again into a living hope. In chapter 3, we've been forgiven for our sins and we've been brought to know God through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he would bring us to God. By his wounds we have been healed. And in chapter 2, that Christians are holy people belonging to God. All those things and more. All that belief is the true grace of God. And how could they know that? How could they know that this is the true grace of God? There were other beliefs in that culture, exactly the same as there are other beliefs in this culture. We have Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and people who don't believe anything. We have all kinds of things. How can they know that this is the true grace of God? Well, Peter says here in verse 12, he testifies to it. He knows that it's true. For a start, he saw and heard in Jesus that Jesus is God's true Messiah. He saw that with his own eyes. Peter saw that truth from the Old Testament. He put two and two together years ago. The Messiah that God promised would have power to heal, spiritually heal. Peter saw that in Jesus. He saw it every day. Isaiah chapter 53, he would also suffer and die for sin. Peter saw that. In Psalm 16, uh, the, 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 the Messiah would rise again. Peter saw the risen Jesus. He saw these things. He saw the truth in Jesus so he can testify that this is the true grace of God. The word testify in Greek society was used in the sale of property. A person would be called to, was called to witness to this transaction. He saw that transaction and he testified to its authenticity, to its truth. And that's what Peter is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is a witness that this is the true grace of God. But also, Peter knew that forgiveness in his heart. He had come to know God. He had come to know Jesus Christ. He had come to know the power of the risen Jesus Christ in his life on a daily basis. So these two things, seeking the truth in Jesus and understanding up here intellectually... And then knowing and experience Jesus in his heart is how he can say that he is a witness. And he knows the truth. This is the true grace of God. He's testifying to it. He's seen it. He's experienced it. He knows the truth from the scriptures and he himself has gone through these things. And so he says, stand fast in the certainty that is, that is the true grace of the gospel, that is the true grace of God. Stand fast in that. And that's important. It's important when one's faith is not as ours have been. If you're not a Christian this morning, but you're serious about sort of faith things, you will ask serious searching questions about what you believe because of this. And you will ask why. And if you're genuine, God will start to build those foundations. He'll start to build them for you. If you are a Christian and, your, and your, your foundations are built on the true gospel of Jesus Christ already, you will ask even deeper questions about your faith. And when you come through, you'll have a deeper faith again. That's why I continually drum into new Christians, get your foundations right. Start at the beginning. Go from A, B, C, D, right through, through the gospel. 
It worries me sometimes that some people become Christians today and they learn straight away all about the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy and about Israel and about the end times, sort of trendy, exciting issues before they know the simple gospel. The simple gospel of why is the world as it is, about God's plan of salvation, what sin is, why Jesus Christ came, about the truth of the cross, why he died, why he rose again. They don't, learn, they don't learn those things properly, and so when the crisis time comes and difficult questions come, they can't stand. Their faith can often not stand, because they've got no foundation. And I know that because I went through it. I went through it. Dear friends, there is no quick fix spiritual formula to keep faith when the hits come in life. There's no sort of formula you can go to. You must stand fast in the true gospel. You hang on. You hang on by the thread of a piece of cotton. And you persevere and you keep going in that faith. That's what Peter is encouraging these Christians to do. And that's my counsel to you this morning. It's not complicated. There's no quick spiritual zap solution to what we're going through. To take away the shock. Peter's formula, the whole biblical formula, is stand fast, hold on to God, and he will bring you through. And then the third promise. You're not going through this alone. I looked at the television yesterday, the whole world knows what's going on here. The whole world. Christians, you are not alone Go to verse 9 again. Resist the devil, stand firm in your faith, knowing that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same suffering. And then verse 13, she who is in Babylon, that's the church in Rome that Peter's speaking about, where Peter is writing from. She who is in Babylon, that church, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. So one, many Christians were feeling for these Christians who were going through these trials. They were, th- they were feeling for them. And secondly, the Christians in Rome were going through the same thing. So how does knowing that about other Christians help us? How does it help us? Well, exactly the same way as Peter does to the people that he's writing to. He said earlier in his letter that tragedies, suffering trials, listen, isn't abnormal for Christians. It is not abnormal. Chapter 4, verse 12, don't be surprised these sufferings you're going through, he says. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Suffering and all that goes with that grief and hurt and betrayal, etc., that is part and parcel of the Christian life. Think it strange if life for you as a Christian and me is not difficult. If life is going well for you as a Christian, well, thank God for it. But that is not often the case. There are Christians in this congregation who I know who have been through hit after hit after hit after hit in their life. And the hits keep coming. Faith being tested is the norm for you and I as a Christian. It is the norm. It's part of your Christian walk. It's part of mine. 
The prosperity gospel, as I said before, is a false gospel which says that when you become a Christian, well, you just hand your problems over. You don't have them. You just flee through. You have peace all the time. It is a false gospel. If you are a Christian, like Peter says, you will suffer. But most importantly, Peter here is saying you are not alone. Other Christians are going through trials as well. You are not on your own. And so stand firm in the faith as your brothers throughout the world are thinking of you and are praying for you right now. And also remembering that some of them are undergoing the same fear and the same anxieties. Some Christians that we met at GAFCON from Nigeria, Rwanda and some other countries around the world see what happened here on Friday regularly. They see it and witness it on a regular basis, except with them, it's mostly Christians who are being murdered while they're at worship. And so they know, A, what the Muslim community are going through right now, and B, they know how we Christians feel at the moment over what's happened. Christians around the world right now are feeling for us, and it's a wonderful encouragement So how do we face this manifestation of evil as Christians? The New Testament answer is simple. Difficult to do, but it's not rocket science. Resist the devil and stand firm in your faith. And just in closing, that faith works out. The people of New Zealand will be watching. I don't want to over-dramatize this. But the people of New Zealand will be watching to see how Christians, us, respond to this tragedy. They will be watching us. And standing firm in your faith is simply doing, as Jay said in his letter. Faith is being worked out. It's to pray for and help in whatever way we can the families who have lost loved ones, the Christchurch Muslim community, and pray and help them, police and medical services, those children mostly who are affected by lockdowns, those struggling with fear and anxiety as time goes on, and most of all, that the light of Jesus Christ may shine through us in this country of New Zealand, in this city of Christchurch right now. That's resisting the devil and standing firm in our faith. Well, may God bless you as you do. Let me pray. Father, we wish that this wouldn't have happened, and it just shocks us more and more the more we think about it. But we pray that you would help us, Father, as you got Peter the Apostle to help these people, our brothers and sisters in the first century, who are going through these difficulties and trials, as many other Christians throughout our world now are going through those same difficulties and sufferings and trials. Help us, we pray, to stand firm in the faith. Help us to realize that we won't have the answer to every question, but help us to trust you, we pray. And we thank you that in your strength we go. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen. While there is a lot to be said about and reflect on, I do have one. I know 
who have been through hit after hit after hit after hit in their life. And the hits keep coming. Faith being tested is the norm for you and I as a Christian. It is the norm. It's part of your Christian walk. It's part of mine. The prosperity gospel, as I said before, is a false gospel which says that when you become a Christian, well, you just hand your problems over. You don't have them. You just flee through. You have peace all the time. It is a false gospel. If you are a Christian, like Peter says, you will suffer. But most importantly, Peter here is saying, you are not alone. Other Christians are going through trials as well. You are not on your own. And so stand firm in the faith as your brothers throughout the world are thinking of you and are praying for you right now. And also remembering that some of them are undergoing the same fear and the same anxieties. Some Christians that we met at GAFCON from Nigeria, Rwanda and some other countries around the world see what happened here on Friday regularly. They see it and witness it on a regular basis, except with them, it's mostly Christians who are being murdered while they're at worship. And so they know, A, what the Muslim community are going through right now, and B, they know how we Christians feel at the moment over what's happened. Christians around the world right now are feeling for us, and it's a wonderful encouragement So how do we face this manifestation of evil as Christians? The New Testament answer is simple. Difficult to do, but it's not rocket science. Resist the devil and stand firm in your faith. And just in closing, that faith works out. The people of New Zealand will be watching. I don't want to over-dramatize this. But the people of New Zealand will be watching to see how Christians, us, respond to this tragedy. They will be watching us. And standing firm in your faith is simply doing, as Jay said in his letter. Faith is being worked out. It's to pray for and help in whatever way we can the families who have lost loved ones, the Christchurch Muslim community, and pray and help them, police and medical services, those children mostly who are affected by lockdowns, those struggling with fear and anxiety as time goes on, and most of all, that the light of Jesus Christ may shine through us in this country of New Zealand, in this city of Christchurch right now. That's resisting the devil and standing firm in our faith. Well, may God bless you as you do. Let me pray. Father, we wish that this wouldn't have happened, and it just shocks us more and more the more we think about it. But we pray that you would help us, Father, as you got Peter the Apostle to help these people, our brothers and sisters in the first century, who are going through these difficulties and trials, as many other Christians throughout our world now going through those same difficulties and sufferings and trials. Help us, we pray, to stand firm in the faith. Help us to realize that we won't have the answer to every question, but help us to trust you, we pray. 
And we thank you that in your strength we go. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen.